Hi, I'm Matt. I'm one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please do head over to our website, www.kennedystreetcio.org, for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause. Thank you. I always gets me when that red light comes on. We always go live without me realising we've gone live. But hi, everybody. My name's Claire, um, Claire Kennedy, and I am the founder and CEO of Kennedy Street, um, which is a national recovery helpline. Um, I'm going to turn my phone off because it's just peaked, and that's not very good. So, yes, yeah, so we are a peer-led um, recovery project based in Brighton. And um, we're a very small project, very small charity, just received charitable status just before lockdown. Um, Kev and I, that's my husband there, Kevin, who will introduce himself in a sec. Um, we've been doing, um, we've been obviously in recovery ourselves for 22 years. Uh, thanks, goodness. Um, and we've been active in the community for 22 years, doing lots of amazing stuff. Um, but at the beginning of the year, we just thought, you know what, we need to set up um, a charity because a lot of the work that I was doing was charitable and we received charitable status a week before lockdown. <laughs> so um, the purpose of what we do at our charity now is to spread the message of hope. So we offer support and signposting to anybody and everybody who's interested in um, recovery. And we invite guest speakers every week onto this platform and we share the message of hope with our guest speakers um, being inspirational um, in carrying their message. So, yeah, I'm going to shut up now because I could whisper on for ages and I'm going to hand over to the gorgeous Kevin Kennedy. Hello, everyone. My name's Kevin Kennedy. I'm the patron of Kennedy Street. Um, now, as you know, uh, addiction comes in many, many, many forms. Uh, alcohol, drugs, shopping, food, sex. Uh, and one of the biggest ones is gambling. Now, um, I have to be honest, uh, that's one of not one of my vices. I, I don't know much about uh, gambling addiction. Um, I, I, I usually just have a go on a sweepstake on the, the Grand National like most people, but this particular um, addiction is devastating, uh, devastating for families, as all addictions are, but this one is particularly nasty um, when the gambling addiction gets hold of you. And, and we deal with all these fellowships, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, um, CA, uh, Cocaine Anonymous, and all the fellowships. And, and today we're speaking to a gentleman called Dan, who's from GA, which is Gambler, Gamblers Anonymous. I think that's the right phraseology. So um, he's going to talk to us today about his a little bit about his story. Um, it's always always a privilege to to listen to these. So uh, Dan, I'm going to hand it over to you. If you could tell us some more about your experience uh, and your story and your hope. Uh, and, and what happened to you. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you very much, Kevin and Claire. Um, hello, everybody. Um, my name's Dan, and I am a compulsive gambler. I've been a member of Gamblers Anonymous since 2003, and in those intervening 17 years, I've had just six days of gambling. And my last bet, my last bet was placed just over... 
three years ago. Um, I'm really pleased and actually very honoured to have been invited here today by Claire and Kevin to speak about my personal experiences as a recovering compulsive gambler. Um, and also, more importantly, for any person listening who's currently suffering from this um, sort of constantly growing global epidemic, really, now of compulsive gambling, to talk about the um, wonderful support network of Gamblers Anonymous and um, how it can potentially help you not only stop your problem gambling, but also in time transform your life in, in ways that right now you probably couldn't imagine if you are suffering from the blight of compulsive gambling. Now, I will tell you all about sort of my 20 plus years of compulsive gambling in, in due course. Um, and I've no doubt that there will be many parts of my checkered past that will strike a chord with everybody listening today because um, we all have very, very similar stories from my experience in the GA rooms. Um, but to start with, I think it's more important that I share with you um, some sort of priceless information regarding that, you know, a proven and effective way of arresting this horrible, destructive illness um, and then hopefully live an, a very normal and happy life. So I uh, just want to give you a bit of background information about Gamblers Anonymous to begin with, because from my personal experience um, within this fellowship, my life has improved radically and also because I've seen it transform the lives of so many other gamblers too. And many, many who started their recovery journeys um, from a much lower place than me, and some were literally homeless, suicidal, and, and seemingly without any hope whatsoever. And these people are now living happy, fulfilling lives with enjoyable careers and great relationships, etc. Um, so I've no doubt that the GA recovery program works for anybody uh, who really wants to stop gambling and has a strong desire to get well. Um, so I'd like to mention the Gamblers Anonymous website for people. It's um, gamblersanonymous.org.uk. And there is so much useful information there online. It's all sorts of literature, advice and information. It's all freely available and that's free in every sense of the word. There's no costs whatsoever. Um, all designed to help the compulsive gamblers who still suffers. And perhaps, well, just as important in its own way, I'd like to mention a sister organisation called Gammon On, um, which is an amazing source of help and advice that's easily accessible to family and friends of compulsive gamblers too. Uh, I've seen it myself. There's lots of collateral damage caused by compulsive gambling. And Gammonon is the best place to look um, to help family members or friends who've also suffered horribly because of um, our addiction. It's really important not to overlook the pain and misery that we do cause to those around us. And Gammonon can bring a lot of relief and understanding um, to our family and friends. So gammonon.org.uk, yep, just seeing it on the screen, that's great. Um, so just a bit of background information about Gamblers Anonymous, because I'd, I'd never heard of it before I came. I, 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 I don't even know quite how I became aware of it when I came to GA in 2003. But the background is that it's a fellowship of that started in the, in the United States and California back in 1957. And the, basically they used 
spiritual principles that had already proved successful in other fellowships used by thousands of people um, to recover from other compulsive addictions. And um, these pioneering Gamblers Anonymous members met regularly and discussed their experiences and slowly, but surely they realised that it was possible to prevent a relapse, partly through willpower, but um, more so by bringing about certain personality changes within themselves. And um, with this success, the good news spread across to England. And then in 1964, um, the first GA group was formed in London by a chap called Reverend Gordon, Mo Reverend Gordon Moody. And that name is now synonymous with residential treatment programmes in this country. Um, and... I mean, it's, what's it, 56 years later, uh, there's literally hundreds of, of weekly GA meetings across the UK. Um, now, having said that, many of them currently don't have physical meetings or have restricted numbers of members attending because of the COVID regulations. But that's, that's been a, a bit of a blessing in disguise for me and lots of members because in 2020 there's been a really amazing growth in the amount of Zoom meetings available, which uh, you can use a computer or a smartphone to access across the globe. And, and so Gamblers Anonymous meetings are now accessible virtually 24-7. Um, I've personally benefited massively from this Zoom explosion and you literally can flip from one meeting in Australia to the, to the States and then back to the UK in, in just a few hours. Um, so full details of online Zoom meetings, there's a couple of excellent websites, um, gamblersinrecovery.com and recoveryroadonline.com. Um, they will give details. You just go on there, there's a finder a meeting button and it will tell you of imminent meetings that are due to start um, for that particular day or hour that you're logging on. Um, yeah, I will, I will be telling you more about how I came to become a member of GA. But um, I, like I said, I knew nothing about GA when I first arrived and um, I'm hoping it will be helpful if I just quickly sort of go over some of the salient information about Gamblers Anonymous. Um, it's officially described as a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope to solve their common problem and to help others do the same. And as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't cost anything to become a member. Um, GA is self-supporting, absolutely no obligation or cost to worry about at this stage. Um, in, in physical meetings, they do collections, but... Um, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop gambling. Um, there's, there's, if you go to the Gamblers Anonymous website and access some of the literature on there, there is mention of God or a higher power in the literature and plenty of new members, and myself included when I first came here, initially a bit concerned that we might be joining a cult, cult of some sort, but... Um, Rest assured, it's, it's not like that at all. Uh, it states in the literature that Gamblers Anonymous is not allied to any sect or relig religious group and no political organisation or institution. And when they use the term spiritual values, um, I mean, each member is free to interpret those 
principles as they choose, but spiritual is really simply a, a description of the characteristics um, which in the fellowship are, are considered to be of the highest and finest qualities like kindness and generosity and honesty and humility. Um, and they're all qualities that once you start in the recovery are, 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 are things that you're striving for. Um, and, you know, they've been neglected characteristics which we've probably all got sort of buried beneath the, um, the compulsion to um, take part in whatever addictive behaviour we, we, you know, is our poison. But, uh, apart from the obvious short term of joining Gamblers Anonymous, which is simply to stop gambling, there's, there is a much more important process, um, and that's to enjoy long-term abstinence. And that is most effectively achieved by bringing about a personality change from within. And that's all to do with working a 12-step recovery program. Again, that's not something I'd heard of when I first came to GA. And, um, yeah, I won't say too much about that at the moment because I, I'm imagining that most people listening to this are completely new to GA and at this stage... We're just trying to stop the gambling and see where that takes us. But, um, yeah, as like I said, we've all got kindness and generosity and honesty within ourselves, but our gambling addiction has suppressed those qualities for a long time in most cases. And it's um, in the long run where well, it, is, it has to be in the long run because there's no quick fix to restore them. So hopefully we can sort of cultivate those positive characteristics and... Uh, ensure that our lives do become better and uh, you know I really do mean become better because that's that's what's happened to me um you know I've had 20 odd years of gambling been in recovery for 17 years now and the last year of my life has been you know the best year of my life and um it isn't easy but um yeah hopefully everybody gets there in the end um the first thing any compulsive gambler needs to do is accept that compulsive gambling is a progressive illness, and that means it's only going to get worse, never better. Progressive means get it worse, never better. And um, you need to have the desire to get well. And uh, in my time in GO, I've, I've seen literally hundreds of people come and go to meetings over the years because they could not or more likely would not um, except the hard facts that this illness um, is totally destructive. You know, despite the overwhelming evidence, the huge debts, the chaos, the you know the impact on other people. Um, I, you know, there's been times when I haven't accepted it, but um, yeah, the ultimate aim is that you have to accept that it is a progressive illness and you have an absolute desire to get well and everybody has their own different rock bottom that brings them to gamblers anonymous and um i mean generally gambling causes growing and continuing problems in in many parts of your daily life there's financial problems obviously that, that you know they're clear as day but there's also likely to be a relation problem, relationship problems with family and friends and employment problems or criminal issues, which is something that, unfortunately, I, I suffered from as well. Um, and, 
you're within GA, you meet all sorts of people, but um, almost certainly you'll see you'll meet somebody that had worse problems than you, and that they've successfully overcome them. Uh, and that's um, a lot of about the success of GA is is um, empathising with other people, learning from their experiences, and relating them to the problems that you you're facing or that you've made for yourself. Um, you go to meetings, you can talk openly without interruption about your own compulsive gambling, friendly, compassionate, understanding audience. Nobody judges you and then other members will happily share their knowledge and help help you. Um, this, this group therapy is called sharing and it is very nerve-wracking at first, um, but it's incredibly cathartic because everybody in the room will definitely be relating to something, some elements of your personal story of woe because they would have suffered similarly before. And um, obviously some people, and myself included, I was incredibly nervous when I went to GA, um, but it does get easier. And if you prefer not to speak, then you can just listen, go along to meetings and listen, and slowly you're hopefully gain confidence to speak and then um, start to reap more of the benefits of the therapies. Um, there's a fantastic organisation called Break Even that offers one-to-one counselling for gamblers and, and anyone else affected by problem gambling, and that's um, details are breakeven.org.uk is on the screen there. Um, I've personally benefited from that massively. Um, had three three times I've had um, ther- sort of ongoing series of sessions at, uh, with break-even. They're mostly done over the phone or on Zoom now, but uh, I was lucky enough to go to have one-to-ones, and you can talk about all sorts of things, um, not, not just your gambling problems, but maybe dysfunctional family or childhood issues from the past that... Um, that's probably, um, you know, led led to you seeking solace in in gambling or other addictions, and that's definitely something that's um, very prevalent in in GA. Um, yeah, well, the GA recovery program, like I say, is not simply about stopping gambling and solving those problems. It is about bringing about personality change and. Uh, the 12-step recovery program is is um, is the mainstay of, of, of that um, you know the, the, that challenge of accomplishing a personality change, and there are no shortcuts. And I spent 16 years in GA trying to find shortcuts, and I only recently got a sponsor. And um, when about a year ago, I got a sponsor and started working. This, 12-step recovery program. Um, it's a very baffling, insidious compulsive addiction. And um, when new members ask how how GA works, um, the the word how is conveniently an acronym for honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And that there are three words in our recovery. And there's simple but amazingly powerful words that um, if you embrace them, they can set you up for 
a most amazing life. Uh, you just have to acknowledge them and um, apply them to your recovery. And uh, on the subject of honesty, one of the first things that happens when you do attend the GA meeting is you're handed a copy of the, the Orange Book. Um, it's a 32-page booklet with absolute wealth of information, lots of questions and answers. But one of the first things you'll see when you open it is there's a, book, a list of 20 questions about your behaviour during your gambling days. Um, I... I mean, when I went to, to GA and they, that, before the meeting started, they gave me the, the list of 20 questions and said, as it pointed out, that if you answer yes to at least seven of these questions, then um, you are in the right place, basically. You, have a, you are a compulsive gambler. And I answered, I quick, uh, the first seven questions I answered yes to, uh, it was a real eye-opener for me. And... Um, I've since realised that uh, if somebody had shown me those those questions when I was in my mid-teens, I, I would have answered yes to the majority of them. So um, I just wish I, wish... I wish I'd had the wherewithal to, to realise I had a problem in my teens. It could have saved me potentially 20-plus years of compulsive gambling. But having said that, I don't, I don't I doubt if I really had a desire to stop gambling that early stage of my life um but uh perhaps who knows it might have encouraged me to reflect on what type of person i was but um i thought what i would do is um read out the 20 questions and um because i'm guessing that it, the majority of people listening would not we never have seen the seen or heard these questions and um and then answer them myself, um, which would give you um, background information about me and also maybe make you realise whether you would answer yes or no to the questions. Um, so the, fir the first question is uh, number one. So, you know, I think it would be a really good idea from my personal experience, if you, were, if you are listening to this, to, to listen to the questions and make a note of whether you say yes or no to them. Um, the first question was, is, did you ever lose time from work or school due to gambling? Um, <clears throat> my, my gambling, this, this isn't the same with all gamblers, but my gambling did start at school, and, and I did. Um, start playing truant from school when I was working on my A-levels and it affected my, my schoolwork uh, massively. I didn't get anywhere near the grades that I was expecting to get and um, ended up um, just about sort of scraping through my A-levels and getting a place at university. And, um, but then when I went to university... I got a grant. We got a grant rather than from the government um, in, back in the day, and I lost all my grant gambling within the first couple of weeks of my um, time at university, and basically decided that there was no absolutely no point in me continuing with um, further education. Um, I would have had to pay back my gr a, a large portion of my grant if I hadn't sort of gone to a token lesson or two for, for the for the duration of my first term 
But basically, yes. I, so I lost time due from school due to gambling and then every job that I had until I came to GA, there was a preoccupation with gambling or I might even be gambling at work on my computer or on my phone. So I was a definite yes to that. Um, the second question is, has gambling ever made your home life unhappy? Again, yes for me. I think my home life was unhappy before I found gambling, and that was part of the reason that um, I found it so attractive, because I could create my own little bubble of sanctuary of gambling. But um, that kind of continued throughout my life. I've, I was very self-isolating. I sort of sabotaged relationships um, so that I had the freedom to gamble. I, my child, In my childhood, I was very adept at wearing a mask and not really showing how I was really feeling. And consequently, I didn't really know whether I was happy or miserable because I would just um, behave according to the circumstances I was in. But uh, my home life was definitely unhappy due to gambling. Uh, number three is, did gambling affect your reputation? I had a, gam had a reputation as a big gambler, and um, it wasn't really until I came to GA, and because I thought I was a very secretive gambler, I, I didn't flaunt my wins, and I didn't really talk about my losses and complain to people, but um, I know that I had a reputation as a gambler and also had a reputation as a thief and a, I had a criminal record due to gambling and I know that um, even though I sort of... I, I lived in denial for a long time, um, I knew that people knew what I was um, and um, it was only really when I stopped gambling and would bump into people and the first thing they'd say to me is... How's the gambling going? I realised that that was the first per first thing that they associated with me. And uh, so, so three yeses. Number four, have you ever felt remorse after gambling? I felt remorse every single time I lost a bet, um, and that was the biggest problem for me. I wanted to win back the money as quickly as possible. So I was the sort of archetypal chaser of losses. And even if I won, I didn't feel remorse but very quickly afterwards, I felt regret that I hadn't gambled more or got bigger odds on what I'd placed. So my, my delight at winning was short-lived and my, um, my unhappiness um, at losing lasted a lot longer because I would just chase, chase and chase until either I'd lost all my money or... Um, on the rare occasions, you know, managed to turn things around. So, yes, again, number five, did you ever gamble to get money with which to pay debts or otherwise solve financial difficulties? I, gamble, I, I, I gambled a lot to solve financial difficulties, difficulties seemingly, but as soon as I'd won the money, that quickly became gambling money and I probably never played the debts or solved the financial difficulties. So it was it was a never-ending circle, really. But that was definitely, yes, it was a motivation. I must win this money to pay this debt. I'd win the money and I'd just bet 
and gamble more. Um, number six was did gambling cause a decrease in your ambition or efficiency? It's, um, yeah, it, it, gambling, I had a career, somehow I managed to land on my feet and had a career in newspaper journalism. And I look back now, uh, it was a dream job for me, sports journalism, kind of the world could have been my oyster, really. Um, and all I was interested in was gambling. And I did, this, as it said on one of my school reports, I did the cultivated minimum. I just got by. I had no real ambition to progress. And all I wanted to do was earn my good salary and then um, gamble. Number seven, after losing, did you feel you must return as soon as possible and win back your losses? Uh, yes, I've already covered that. I, yeah, I couldn't just draw a line under what I'd lost. If there was a possibility to gamble more and and win back my money, then I would I would grasp that with both hands. Number eight, after a win, did you have a strong urge to return and win more? Um, yeah, once you've won a certain amount of money then you want to win. You, you get used to the, um, the exhilaration and it doesn't last as long as it used to and you need to enhance it. And the only way to do that is to try and increase your winnings. So absolutely, yes. Number nine, did you often gamble until all your money was gone? Um I answer yes to this. I was never one of these people that would gamble um, until I had no money to buy my food. I know there are people that, that would do that, but I would, I would gamble until all, all my notes had gone and I just had change left in my pocket. And, um, and then when there was internet gambling... Um, I would literally put every single penny that I had on my in my account on a particular bet if I was chasing or um, knew that I wouldn't be able to get any more money. So I just had to play out what I had left. So there was a yes to that. Did you ever borrow to finance your gambling? Um, I borrowed lots of money. I took out numerous loans over the years to finance my gambling and the truth is I had no real intention of paying them back. Um, I, I would make a, a few token repayments and then slowly but surely stop, stop repaying them. Um, gambling was more important to me than sort of honouring any agreements that I'd made. Number 11, have you ever sold anything to finance your gambling? Um, Occasionally I did, and it, it only really sticks in my mind, not because I got an awful lot of money for the things that I sold, was it, it, it sticks in my mind because it was an awful palaver to sell something, to finance your gambling, and then see that that money disappeared in the time that it takes uh, a racehorse to run around a track or a greyhound to, you know... It, you could spend a whole morning trying to sell something and then within a couple of minutes all that money was gone. 
Uh, number 12, where you're reluctant to use gambling money for normal expenditures. Absolutely, yes. Um, I, yeah, I would scrimp on what type of food I bought, um, presents I bought for people, um, going on holiday. I, I begrudged spending money on what most people would consider normal expenditures, but I would think nothing about staking hundreds and sometimes, well, yeah, hundreds or thousands of pounds on a horse or greyhound um, or a football team and it was crazy behaviour. Um, number 13, did gambling make you careless of the, of, your, of the welfare of yourself and your family? I avoided, I, I tried to, to avoid as much as possible um, that my family knew about my the extent of my gambling. Um, but looking back on it, my family would have suffered. They would have seen less of me. I wasn't the person I should have been. Um, if, I'd, if somebody was ill in my family and I had a choice of visiting them in hospital or taking them somewhere um, or visiting them and making them feel better or having a bet, then I would invariably choose having the bet. So gambling definitely affected um, my attitude towards my family um, and friends. 14, did you ever gamble longer than you had planned? Um, almost certainly. Uh, I never really had any, any exact plans of how long I probably I would gamble. But um, basically, either until my money had run out or um, until I couldn't get hold of any more money. But, um, yeah, well, the advent of online gambling, which ultimately brought me to GA, where you could gamble 24-7, that, that absolutely became a problem because um, you could literally gamble through the night. So another absolute yes. 15, have you ever gambled to escape worry, trouble, boredom, loneliness or grief? Well, all of the above. The compulsive gambling is an emotional illness and anything that would um, <clears throat> sort of affect my emotional well-being could trigger a bout of gambling and... Um, it's still something I have to be really careful about. I don't necessarily get an urge to gamble, but, um, you know, um, emotional instability um, is always something I have to be very careful about. Um, can lead to, not necessarily to, for me to want to have a bet, but can lead me down um, another track, perhaps. Um, 16, have you ever committed or considered committing an illegal act of financial gambling? Yeah, unfortunately, I have a criminal record and I, looking back, I'm extremely fortunate that I didn't end up um, having a custodial sentence to my name because um, of, uh, of a small fraction of my, of my crimes were actually uncovered. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's one of the more shameful aspects of being a compulsive gambler that you do things that um, you know are wrong and you sort of feel compelled to do them and you bring shame on yourself and also your family and your friends as well. So uh, absolutely, yes. 
to 16. Number 17, did gambling cause you to have difficulty in sleeping? Yes, it did. Um, if I'd won gambling, I, I would be so excited and I couldn't wait for the next day to gamble some more. And if I lost at gambling, then I would be constantly ruminating about how I was going to get my money back the following day and how I was going to get hold of some funds to gamble with. So absolutely yes to 17. 18, do arguments, disappointments or frustrations create within you an urge to gamble? Uh, yes, and often looking back on it, I would manipulate situations where arguments and disappointments were were caused by me. So they gave me an excuse to extricate myself from a situation and go and gamble. But uh, again, um, gambling was my sort of security blanket, my sort of sanctuary or whatever. And if I wasn't, if things were wrong with the world, then that was the place that I would, I would run to. Um, 19, did you ever have an urge to celebrate any good fortune by a few hours gambling? Um, yes, yes, I did. Um, uh, yeah, uh, anything that made me feel good. You know, if it was uh, playing sport and winning um, or whatever sport I was playing, um, something happening good, something some some nice surprise happening in my life made me feel good. If I felt good, how how can I make myself feel even better? Yep, I will gamble. And finally, 20, and this is the only question which um, I don't answer an absolute yes to, have you ever considered self-destruction or suicide as a result of your gambling? I've never considered suicide, but I... Have con I have considered self-destruction um, in as much as the last time I placed a bet was just over three years ago, and it was it was the largest bet. Um, it was the first bet I'd had for about four four or five years, and. Um, it was to seemingly totally out of the blue, but um, I realised now it wasn't. There was, you know, there was a, there was a slow and steady build-up to it. And I placed this bet, um, and it was far and away the largest bet I'd placed in my life. And it won. It was a very short price. Um, the bet won, but there was a part of me... I was relieved that it had won initially, but then there was a part of me that was disappointed that I hadn't lost. And I still, even as I say that, I still find that hard to believe, but it's true. I, I There was a part of me that that thought I was missing out on the, the ultimate thrill for me, which is losing and then winning. And um, But I also... I also have to acknowledge that the amount I gambled, um, if I'd lost, there's no way I would have drawn a line under it, and it could have led, it could have led, it would have, it would have, it would have led me down a really, really dangerous path, uh, and, and that would have been self-destruction. Um, 
it in as much as it would have ruined my life. Um, I honestly don't think I could ever um, seriously contemplate suicide because I, partly because probably because I'm too much of a, a coward, but also the, the I had a, a suicide in my um, childhood of a family member, and I know how much it affected everybody. I don't think I could I could ever. Um, um, contemplate causing that much pain and, and you know, long-lasting pain. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I've answered 19, yes to 19 and a half of those questions and um, I, you know, I would, I would like to talk about my recovery and, um, but uh, I, I'm wondering if it might be better if I go back to Claire and Kevin and you've asked me some questions because uh, I think I've gone down a route which which you weren't expecting me to. And, um, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not 100% certain what you, where, where you want to go to now. So perhaps you can guide me, please. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much. That was so... Well put, so eloquent and so clear um, as to the enormousness of, of this issue. I mean, it's huge. And, uh, you know, you, you've touched on all of the amazing, um, all of the amazing life qualities that people get back by um, joining a fellowship like GA. Um, so, yeah, I, think, I thought you covered that beautifully. I mean, I've got loads of questions I want to ask you. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story in a bit, but if we could ask you some questions first. Um, so I'll start with my question, and then Kev, I'm sure, has got questions as well. So um, I, I know very little about gambling. I know it's very destructive, and I know some people cope with it okay, um, and they, they can do it normally. Um, but how, how would you describe um gambling addiction so how would it manifest so it's not just obviously placing bets on on horses and dogs how else does gambling addiction manifest um, well for me there's obviously a massive financial side to it um and that's probably what attracted me to it in the beginning i like most people when i started gambling in my sort of mid-teens properly um it i had i had a good win and um you know i placed a very small bet on a football accumulator i think either 10 or 10 pence or 20 pence and all 12 results were correct and i and i collected about 150 160 pounds and so that the, the appeal of that was massive um and i think i spent the next 20 odd years trying to recapture that wonderful feeling uh, i never ever did never never came close to getting that initial buzz of of that massive win um but an, another element f f for me um and i don't i don't it depends on what type of gambling you're doing but for me <coughs> excuse me i i love to have an opinion on on sports and that was both mostly what i gambled on and I love to be proved right. And I think I grew up in an environment where 
I wasn't encouraged to voice my opinion and also my opinion didn't seem, really seem to count and, you know, I, I would just be shouted down. And uh, I, so I think a large part of the appeal of gambling for me was to, to be proved right and nobody could tell, tell me that I was wrong. Um, and I miss that. <laughs> I, 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 you know, that was a large part of the addiction for me. But, um, I, yeah, the financial side of it is, is massive too. And also, so so, the, so I, I've I've met many people over the years, um, and like you say, you know, you've got accumulated some um, the the football and sports and and those things that we hear about. But what? How else does? How else is it? I, I know you're only here to talk about your your personal experience, strength and hope. But um, so, for instance, I, I worked with a lady once who who used to take out massive. Um, loans from the bank and not tell anybody about it so she would um she took out um a loan and didn't tell her husband she actually remortgaged the house and um got a ninety thousand pound loan and it was to bail her kids out her kids had got into debt and um but she, she used to do this a lot and she never told her husband about it and then he found out about it and then she lied about it and, and anyway once it all was revealed she ended up going into treatment um, she had a real spending addiction, um, and I, I suppose that's what I'm, I'm asking, really, because obviously there's lots of people watching who might be overspending on shopping or especially online purchases at the moment. I'm getting loads of calls off people who've over really overspent, like gone into the thousands um, on Amazon and other online retailers and spending money that they can't afford. So would that be classified as a gambling addiction, do you think? Um, what, what, you mean take, taking out loans to, to spend on? Yeah. It's not a gambling addiction, but there's certainly parallels, I think, because, um, I mean, I've never had a spending addiction. Uh, and, uh, you know, bizarrely, I, I think twice, I'm still very frugal when I think twice about um, spending you know, over a certain amount on something, I'll shop around for the best deal. And, um, yeah, it's a sort of probably a byproduct of my, but I would, of my gambling. But I wouldn't, I mean, it, it's crazy. I wouldn't think twice of plonking several hundred pounds down on a counter. And I wouldn't think to myself, oh, I could buy a television for that or I could go on holiday with that. It would be, all I would have was tunnel vision of thinking I could turn that into X amount of money. But I still was not going to do anything with the money. Um, and, th and that's a common character trait with, with gamblers. We don't really know why we're gambling. Um, I, I struggle to remember a time when I actually needed money. You know, I'd have the money to do what I wanted to do, but I was reluctant to spend that money on that thing, and I'd want to win the money to pay for a holiday or win the money to buy a car or win the money to um, pay, pay a bill. Um, but I actually had, I probably 99% of the time had access to that money or the money that I used to gamble, I could have used to buy something. So yeah, I, but people with a shopping addiction, I've never been there, but I can understand it's probably a very similar um, 
emotional problem in that you it makes you feel better yeah i think i think i think it is i think i think there is actually a fellowship for it as well um i was just curious as to know if somebody did have that sort of type of addiction if they could go to gamblers anonymous for it but i think there is actually a 12-step fellowship called overspenders anonymous um which i'll have to look into yeah yeah no no um yes i I wouldn't recommend anybody with a spending addiction going to to gi okay all right yeah i mean the literature literature might be interesting um to draw parallels but totally different type of problem but i mean all the all addictions are interlinked and there's so many people in ga with cross addictions and i i had a cross addiction i've never really drunk uh had a drink issue i've never smoked so i never really dabbled in drugs so i've never done any of the the sort of mainstream addictions but i had an addiction of of shoplifting and um and that happened before i discovered gambling and it and it continued after i stopped gambling and it hindered my recovery massively i've only recently um managed to stop that i didn't realize how you know, it was harder to stop than it was the gambling. But essentially, it it fulfilled the same purpose. It 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 was um, something that I got gave me excitement. I I sort of anticipated doing it. I got a reward out of it. Um, I got away with something. It was it was um, a sort of gratific- instant gratification. Um, so yeah most people have one addiction in my opinion probably have another one if they knock one on the head then the other one pops up and um so that's something to be really really watch watchful and mindful about that's really interesting thank you for that um kev did you have a question yeah um you you mentioned um twofold question really you mentioned you were that sort of a type of gambler what in your experience, um, what type of gambling is there? I mean, is uh, is it like the same as drinking? Is like binge gambling or only gambling at the weekend or or, or something like that? Is the first question. And the second question is: as, as I've been on tour many times, I've been into casinos um, because you can watch the football there where you can't get it on another channel, and the food's pretty good, so you can join. You don't have to gamble. You can go in and and. and eat food, and, and that's the only reason I've ever been in there. But it, they're very glam places, uh, the ones I've been in, some of the bigger chains. So are they are they addressing gambling addiction at all? Uh, and, and if so, what, what are they doing about yeah, it? Yeah, well, two great questions. The first one about, um, you know, different types of gambling and binge gambling. Uh, all sorts of different, different gamblers come to GA. Um, I... Even before I came to GA, I had long periods of, of months where I wouldn't gamble. Um, I, I wasn't somebody that gambled every day, and uh, but there are lots of people that do. And um, particularly after I'd had a big loss and I had no realistic prospect of winning that money back, I would sort of lick my wounds and I'd think, no, I'm going to wait and wait until you know i've accrued some more money and then i will try you know um bet on something that i'm really confident about so i could go for sort of periods of self-enforced abstinence and and just waiting for an opportunity i didn't need to gamble 
continuously. Um, and there's certain forms of gambling that, that didn't really appeal to me. I mean, you mentioned casinos. I, I, I have been to Vegas a couple of times, but I didn't go to America specifically for Vegas. I, I was traveling with friends. They wanted to go there. And, yeah, I dabbled in it, but it wasn't a massive problem for me. Uh, you know, I didn't, still didn't want to lose. I still chased my losses in it, and it, I didn't gamble like a normal person, but um, it didn't really rock my boat. I, I liked betting on something where I had an opinion, not something mechanical or um, a spin of a, a, ball, a wheel or whatever. But um, casinos do seduce you with the lights, like you say, and all-you-can-eat buffets and free sandwiches and things. And there's been many a time when I've been on a night out in town and somebody in the past has said, oh, let's go to the casino instead of going home and I'll go there. But it doesn't, it never really, I never really got that heavily involved in it. But, um, and I think the other thing you touched on is, is legislation. And, I mean, there are a lot of, changes happening um i'm not so okay exactly with what happens at casinos but um you know there's forever news in the in the um media about um you know tightening restrictions on how much people can gamble without sort of alarm bells ringing on you know suddenly increased staking and uh I mean, the most sort of the most annoying part of of, of the whole gambling. I, I'm not against gambling. I mean, a lot of people in GA are and get very agitated about it. I personally think people should be allowed to gamble, um, like people should be allowed to drink. You know, if people abolish drinking, I, I wouldn't be happy because I like to have a, a pint every now and then. Um, you know, and so. Gambling, to me, the main problem is just with the legislation. Um, online bookmakers, they know instantly if you're winning too much and they can restrict your, your bets. But they instantly know that you're losing a lot and they don't put any restrictions on what you're staking or, you know, there's not... They're just they're stopping people from winning and encouraging people to lose. If you if you lose a lot, not, not they don't write to you and and say, "Oh, are you sure you're okay?" They'll start um, encouraging you with free bets and um, yeah. So that, that, those are the sorts of changes that need to be made, and, and they are slowly um, mm. being forced to by um, various movements. And uh, what about, this is something that people don't think is gambling, I think, but it, it's bingo. I mean, in your experience, have, have you had a, sort of a raft of middle-aged women, elderly women coming in who, who have been going to bingo and, and, and gambling far too much there? Um, I'm not, I'm smiling, you can't see me smiling, but I'm smiling because, because being online, online gaming, um, I mean, I don't. Well, bingo hills aren't open at the moment, but I think even in even in the online, um, sorry, in even in the physical venues, I think it's a lot of it is kind of online or virtual now. I, I've never been to a bingo hall, but um, we are seeing a lot more females in in GA, and um, 
there's just so much internet gambling and a lot of it is bingo, foxy bingo, um, all these bingo sites that you see advertised on, on um, mainstream television. Um, yeah, when I, when I was online gambling um, back in 2002, 2003, um, the, all, these, all these bingo sites were coming up and they were offering free bets to, and I was joining them just to take the free bets. And I wasn't playing. It was all, you don't do anything. You just have it on the screen. You're not crossing off numbers. It's all done for you. Um, I can see how that could be really addictive. Whereas, like, going going to a venue once a week with your friends, um, I doubt if those, you know, elderly ladies that we typically think of going to bingo um, develop a gambling problem that would take them to GA. But online, where you could do that, hour after hour, night after night, definitely, yeah, very addictive. I think what I found fascinating there as well is something you said that, uh, which for me, please correct me if I'm wrong, but to me it absolutely signposts the fact it is a mental obsession. It wasn't the fact, like you said, you didn't fancy mechanical things. It was almost an urge to be proved right, that your choice was right. And was that a mental obsession that, you know, you you choose a horse or choose maybe something that other people wouldn't choose because you want fundamentally you wanted to be right. Is is was that fair to say? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was a a, a big big part of um, my gambling, and sometimes sometimes I I mean um, I, I might bet I might bet on a football team, and um, this is just. Uh, not not an exact scenario, but just an idea that you know the team might be say three 0 up, and in the or and then they might have a player sent off or something happens, something conspires so that they don't actually win. And even though I've lost the money, I still in my mind's eye I'm thinking I was right because you know they they got into a position where they were winning, and that almost is a comfort, even though I've lost the money. Uh, so a big part of it um, is about being proved right. But um, the two go hand in hand, because the more convinced you are that you're right, the more money you want to have on it to, to almost prove to yourself how convinced you are that that this is going to happen. And, um, yeah, and, and when, when that does happen, it's, it's a wonderful feeling. I mean, there are times when you when you lose and then you just bet recklessly and, you, and you're and you literally in your head, you're tossing a coin. Shall I back this horse or shall I back that horse? And there's absolutely no, you, ca- you can't take any credit for it. Mm-hmm. And um, But it's still nice when it wins. But for me, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, God, I was lucky there because, you know, it, it was pure luck. Um, and there's a, but there's a big element of being proved of being proved right, and that, and I still, whenever I watch sport now, I don't think I want to have a bet, but I often think if I was still gambling, I have to have an opinion if I watch a sport otherwise, or still, yeah. it, I don't watch horse racing, but any sport, there's no point in me just watching something if I don't in, invest in it in the way that I want a certain team to win or I think a certain a team will win. I, I, I can't just watch it for the the beauty of it. I have to be sort of supporting, in inverted commas, a team or a a player or an athlete or whatever. I need to know something about 
what's going on. I think that's fascinating because I can't think off the top of my head, and probably more brighter people than me will come up with with uh, examples, but I can't think of another, certainly my addictions, where that, that need to be proven right actually came into it at all. Uh, I, I, would you say that was unique to gambling or...? or... Might be, might be unique to me, Kevin. Yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. No, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I meet lots of people that are addicted to um, the fixed odds terminal machines, uh, and um, I go to a lot of Australian Zoom meetings, and people are playing on um, what we used to call jackpot machines. I forget what they call called them out there now. Oh, pokies. And... I honestly can't. I, I used to play those occasionally in my teens when I first went into a pub, um, but I soon realised that what, apart from the nudges, there's absolutely no skill or anything involved in it, and um, you know, and there's a limit to how much you can win, and then you, it just, it just didn't appeal to me, and also statistically, you know that that machine is only going to pay out. 85% of what it what what is ploughed into it. So, whereas at least with um, yeah with sports betting, you feel that you know that there's they haven't got an edge on you. It's down to you and your judgment, and you you've got actually got a decent chance of winning. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's there's no accounting for um, what what people gamble on. I mean, I've heard all sorts of stories, you know, people will gamble on a raindrops falling down a window. Um, I've heard that. I've actually heard that. I've actually been sat in a room with a gambler that actually told me that, that, that they were looking past me as they were talking to me. And I was like, what are you looking at? And he said, I'm looking, it's raining outside and I'm, I'm in my own head, I'm betting on um, which of those raindrops is going to get to the bottom of the, the, of the window um, first. And I was just absolutely flabbergasted. I was like, but I, I suppose that is the beauty of the 12-step program. Um, I mean, we are coming to an end already. The last hour's flown by. And I think um, you should come back and, and really, you know, share with us a little bit more because it is a fascinating subject. There's a lot of people out there that need help. Um, people are private messaging me um, via direct message and, um, you know, wanting to know, all sorts of questions, you know. Are are the meetings going back to the community? Have, have any physical meetings restarted yet, um, Dan? Or are you still up? Yeah, yeah. Some have, um, some have here in the UK, and um, I believe, yes, yeah, some have in Australia as well. Obviously, yeah. Just <laughs> mentioning that out of interest, I doubt um, we've got many people from Australia listening, but. Um, I, I live in Sussex, and um, our home meeting, we could have gone back to the rooms, but the general consensus is that there's little point at the moment with all the, um, you know, ever-changing rules and guidelines um, coming out. But uh, And also, there's a general feeling within members that they're enjoying the Zoom meetings because um, they're so, just so convenient. You don't have to drive. Um, I mean, it, this... Pros and cons, it's great to meet people. But having said that, you can't shake hands, you can't hug them, you can't, you've got to wear a mask, you know, all, all those things take away a lot from the physical meetings. So, um, I mean, going back to what you mentioned, uh, 
yeah, I feel that I would really like to share some more about the recovery side of it, but um, and and also my 17 years in GA because that wasn't all recovery. Um, well, you know, I think I think um, you're more than welcome to come back another week. Um, generally, this session just lasts an hour. Um, otherwise, we we, we um, I've, I've um, got one-to-one meetings booked up later on this afternoon. Otherwise, we could go on quite easily all afternoon. Oh, yeah, I, did, I did mean another time. I oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do think you should come back and tell us the recovery side of it yeah. rather than. Yeah, sorry, I really I really did think that we were talking to. Um, yeah, people that were just, you know, needed to come to terms with the fact that they were problem gamblers. And, yeah, and that, um, and that is absolutely superb, and that is exactly what you've done. But I think for the next time, which mm. is hopefully going to be soon, we ought to talk about how you got out of it. Yeah. We need the solution now. So yeah. it's going to be a part two, mate. Yes. Excellent. Well, that's great news. That's part two. And, yeah, we what. I'd love to just obviously invite you back. I'd love you to come back. And thank you so much for taking the time to come today. Honestly, we really, really appreciate your um, your service as well because I know that, you know, um, as a member of GA, you, you know, you, you do a lot of work in the community. And, and like you said, you know, these Zoom meetings have opened the world up to recovery whereas you know people say oh you know there's no meetings that are going on in the community but you know what there's a meeting happening in your front room if you want it and you can go to them 24 7 there's never a better time than now for people to get into recovery so if you are watching this and you've never heard of recovery from gambling before and it's struck a chord i mean feel free to give us a ring if you need any extra support to access the right help um because there is an abundance of help there's hundreds of thousands of people out there that are in active recovery who are willing to give their time and energy to helping you to turn your life around and um, just get in touch and we'll we'll put you in contact um we'll we'll encourage you we'll support you you know we've got all sorts going on at our um charity as well so yeah so thank you dan so so much like i say if anybody's got any questions feel free to carry on asking questions in the comment section on facebook I can always get um, messages to Dan and he can answer those questions if they're personal to him. Um, and, yeah, um, thank you again. Oh, Kevin, yeah. you're on. Yeah, thank, thank you both. It's been... Um, yeah, it's great. It's, um, I get as much out of these shares as hopefully other people do. And, um, yeah, well, that's, it is nerve-wracking, but, um, no, it's been great. Yeah, you thank fine. you very much. You're honestly you're absolutely inspiring. So thank you so much, Dan. And we'll see you at part two. Let's get it booked in. Thank nice you very much. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please do head over to our website, www.kennedystreetcio.org for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause.